Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Daniel. Good evening, everyone. My name is Daniel, and I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, Daniel. And uh, I'm glad to be here. I want to thank uh, Monica for inviting me to come up here and speak, and then she left the country. <laughs> so, but no, it's it's always an honor to be of service and program. Um, I'm really touched when people ask to touch uh, to speak because I have a very crazy disease, and um, I wish I could tell you that I uh, I have it under control. I don't. It's uh, it's one of those things where, well, let me see. I don't know how I was born with it, but I got it, you know. And uh, this disease no knows, knows no limitations. Um, doesn't matter what gender you are, what social life you have, it'll it'll paralyze you sooner or later. Uh, at first, it comes about as a very cunning, baffling disease, and then it turns into one of the most horrendous things you've ever experienced. Out of all my diseases that I have, this has to be the, one of the most embarrassing, shaming disease I've ever had. You know, I'd much rather tell you that I'm a drug addict, I'm an alcoholic, blah, 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 but then to tell you about being a compulsive reader that I can't control my food. Um, but this is part of my story. So, um, I... Um, I'm not the same person that came into these rooms in 1983. You know, some of you weren't even born, but that's that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And uh, but I stayed in this program for a while, and uh, and I really liked the fellowship. I really liked the uh, people weren't calling me fat, and people weren't teasing me anymore. So it was nice to have that acceptance, and it's good. But it made me too comfortable uh, that I stuck stuck around for 15 years, not doing anything with it. You know, and uh, I like the camaraderie, the social aspect. And it was nice because when you're a composable reader, you just want to live, live alone. And uh, my life was, uh, see, Friday nights, uh, order a huge, giant, you know what they call it. You guys mentioned food here? Yeah, well, all right. Anyway, big roll, a big, long uh, thing. Anyway, and a large diet coke because I didn't want to have too much calories when I drank it. And, and I remember asking them, don't slice it, just I'll roll it up and eat it like that. But um, And I would eat until I passed out. And that was my ritual. That's how my ritual was. And uh, the, the happiest moments for a little while were to be alone eating. That was my best. Just leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. Uh, I don't want to socialize. I want the, draws, the, the curtains drawn, and I just want to be in my, in my food. Always hungry. Never knew when I was hungry, but I was always hungry. Are you hungry? Yes. Yeah. I never said no. Uh, and uh, so, because of that, you know, uh, I've been blessed with uh, with several things. Uh, um, you know, my body doesn't lie. It can't lie to me. It just—it's impossible. The body cannot lie, but my brain does. And and uh, no matter how much I try to get my body to lie, it just won't lie. So, as I got into this disease, I noticed my weight went up, and I was an outcast socially. 
uh, thank goodness for drugs or I would have blow, blow my head off but you know that's what helped me cope with a lot of stuff with the rejection of society breaking chairs not fitting into clothes uh, riding against a bulkhead, bulkhead uh, uh, on, a, uh, on a plane to Hawaii you think those would be the uh, demoralization motives for me to say hey, i got to do something about it no I would feel bad at the moment but I would still go back that's, that's how I did it you know I felt bad initially and the embarrassment but I still went back to eating because food did for me what you guys couldn't do for me it made me feel good about myself it reached that level in my stomach and it will just shut everything off and just go <sighs> no more voices no more critical voices no more shaming voices no more the I could have I should have you know, you're not a bad, you're not a bad person. You don't hear that anymore. And, uh, but it only lasted a short period. So, in order to get that again, I had to go back and eat. And I would use any excuse whether I was happy or sad, not sad, not happy. Uh, any excuse I would eat. So that's basically so, because I needed to reach that level of shutting down. Um, so, you would think after. Going through all those embarrassing things, you know, uh, well, by the way, I went to Hawaii, you know, years ago, and I fell in love with Kauai, beautiful, and I found red dirt place over there. And at that time, my top weight was close to 400 pounds, and uh, they had the largest shirt they had there, and that's the one I bought. It was a 2X, and it was really tight on me. And, uh, and I thought it was just like the coolest thing, and I remember putting it on, it was so tight. But I was really proud to have it. I really loved it, and it was really cool. And uh, I also have a picture of me, if you want to go ahead and pass it out. Uh, size 58 waist, 400 pounds, and miserable. Happy only when I'm eating, and miserable after I ate. So that's how I thought. So I never felt anything, really. That's how I looked at life. And my mom died of this disease as well. She was 48 years old, and she passed away from that. And, of course, the, the death certificate doesn't say uh, died of obesity. No, coronary heart failure. <laughs> That's what they say. They don't say anything else. But she died of this disease. And um, so you would think scaring an addict into recovery would help. You know, ooh, you know you're going to die. Oh, I better do something about it. And it doesn't work like that at all. You know, uh, shaming an addict. You know, if you just stop eating and you just get your shit. You have to say, I have a very bad, bad, bad potty mouth, so help me. <laughs> I do too. And, and uh, but you know, if shaming that would stop us, well, that'd be great. You know, well, how about therapy? Oh yeah, let's go to therapy. You know, and this will stop me from being a composable reader, and I'll never, I'll find out psychologically what's wrong with me, and this will, this will be put a bed. And it'll no longer be an issue. And that doesn't work like that either. So, darn it. So I came to these programs wanting to diet. And in those days, we did have the Dignity of Choice uh, uh, pamphlet, which it's out there well now. But uh, I wanted to follow it. And I, and I followed it religiously, and it was really good. But I forgot about the emotional part. You know, when you stop numbing, the feelings start coming up. And then you start really feeling a lot of feelings that you're not com comfortable with. And so, obviously, you can only white knuckle it for so long until you have to let go, and you go back to the food. Basically, that's it. You live uncomfortably, uncomfortably. You're doing something wrong. I'm feeling something bad. I cannot. I must be doing something wrong. I gotta eat. And that's basically how I looked at it. So I would have short periods of time of weight loss, and then come back with plus puppies more. You know, 
uh, because I just couldn't deal with feelings, and that was the thing. Uh, so finally, as I moved down into this thing uh, called life, I discovered that feelings are part of life. <laughs> I didn't know that. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know uh, so you're supposed to feel. And, and uh, I just wanted something that would just not feel. I don't want to feel happy, and I don't want to feel sad. I just don't want to feel nothing. And uh, that, you're not supposed to live like that. Well, okay, so what, am I, what, what was it like? It was really miserable. And I'm just going to dedicate a few minutes to what it was like as, and uh, try to get at what's, what's going on now. Uh, it was really bad. Uh, no teenage years were dating and all that stuff. You just, you just, you're social outcast. You know, people don't want to be around all these people. Uh, I remember going to the big and tall... Uh, Clothiers, uh, and uh, never saw any tall people, just me. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I remember them telling me, says, listen, uh, if you keep gaining more weight, we're not going to be able to, you know, if you keep getting bigger, we're not going to be able to clothe you, you're going to have to have them tailor-made. I said, wow, I'm be tailor-making my clothes. And, and I, it, it, but in my twisted thinking, I thought that was a good thing, you know, be tailored off, wow. And I used to tell people, listen, I just love food. I love food. I love food. Well, yeah, I do. But the, the problem is that uh, I didn't know what to stop. And I thought I was killing myself. Is this right? Oh, okay, good. Thank goodness. Okay. So I kept looking at it. <coughs> looking at it. And I'm waiting for something that's yours. You guys don't make me drink, but you make me thirsty. Here you go. Anyway, so. And I was wondering, uh, what do I got to do to stop? So years ago, there was this uh, program called Chic Chadel. Uh, and they hook you up with, oh, you remember, they hook you up with electrode, you bring in your binge food, and you mush it up, and then you reach for it, and they shock you. So shocking is going to stop you from eating this stuff. And, and, you know, and I'd reach for it, and you get shocked. And, wow, that caught my attention. And I said, wow. So I'd reach for it, and I'd get shocked again. So I said, wow, that'll work. No, it didn't work. Uh, so then they came out with a, a, a candy called AIDS candy. You guys remember AIDS, AYD? Okay. And it came out in a chocolate box. It was chocolate. Yeah, one of those things. And so I ate the whole box because I figured I that's why I lose all the weight. And uh, you're just supposed to have one for a meal. And, uh, and I didn't understand that. <laughs> Metrocal came out, and so I would have my burritos and Metrocal. I didn't understand the concept. So <laughs> that's how I did it. So I couldn't wonder why it didn't work. Doctors gave me amphetamines, and I eat faster when I take amphetamines. <laughs> and the doctor couldn't understand how come you're not losing weight. I said, well, I'm taking the medication. I don't know why. I just eat faster. <laughs> so uh, that's how I lived. You know, I'm an addict. I'm an addict. I, I am a cheat, a liar, stealer, I'm dishonest. I'm an addict. Okay? And when it comes to food, I will tell you anything you want to hear as long as I get my fix. I'm an addict. I'll steal your wallet and help you look for it. That's how dishonest I am. That's how twisted my thinking is. So if I go to therapy and say, well, you're just bipolar, I want to be tripolar. I don't want to be bipolar. I'm going to just one side. I want to be tripolar. I want more. You're schizophrenic. No, no. Give me more. I'm a psychopath. I really want an excuse. <laughs> I always want an excuse as to why I have this behavior. So this way I can put a title on it. That's why I do it. See? Uh, no, it doesn't work like that. And uh, it's not until I came to this program and my ears were really weak, willing to listen that I have a spiritual abnormality. That's been my whole problem the whole time. I wish doctors would have said, Dan, you're not overweight, you have a spiritual malady. 
therapist. Dan, you're not bipolar, you're not depressed. You have a spiritual malady. Oh my God, how I would have saved myself a lot. But maybe I wouldn't have heard it either. A spiritual malady. What the heck does that mean? Well, I found out that I'm a controller. I like to control. I didn't know that. I just thought I knew how the things were done. <laughs> Not only that, I like to control you. And I like to give you insightful advice <laughs> because you want it. Though you don't ask me for it, but I give it to you. This is what you need to do. And I want things perfectly done. And I'm very uncomfortable when things aren't done my way. So, when they said, Dan, you may be a controller, I said, no, 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 I'm not a controller. I let people be as they want they be. Yeah, well, that's not true. I also was a jailer. I had a lot of people living in my head rent-free for many years. Resentment is probably one of the biggest things that I've said. Now, I love it when I hear in OE meetings, alcoholics don't have to drink anymore. We have to eat rocks to tiger every day. You know, every, that's total BS. It really is. Do you know that alcoholics still drink? They drink, they'd be dead. They just don't look for the very chemical that's going to alter the way they feel about themselves. They still drink orange juice, tomato juice, sodas, water. Feeling, but they don't look for that very chemical that's going to make them feel better about themselves. We compulsive overeaters, we're supposed to eat not to feel better about ourselves. That make sense? So alcoholics drink? Yeah. <laughs> but when they, oh, they drink, they don't have to drink anymore. Yes, they do. They'd be dead. <coughs> I don't know about what, about you guys, but for me, I found out that food, yes, is an issue, but I really have a problem with life. That's basically it, you know. And and if I could just get rid of all you guys, I would. I'd be okay. Yeah, I'd be fine, you know. And listen, I'm originally from Los Angeles. I come here, and uh, uh, LA was fun, my home meetings, and I, I loved it here. It was great because I can go anywhere, you know. Uh, meetings in, Gar- in, uh, in Gardena, meetings in the South Bay, in the, in the foothills, valley over here. Now I live in Santa Barbara, and my God, it is small. You go to one of, you go to another room, you're going to find the same people that were in the other program. So there's really no place to go, and I love it, and I wouldn't leave it for the world. But as I came down here, I found out that how neurotic I was because I was freaking out. I kept pitching all these flames going over the freeway, and we were going to be dodging these flames coming down here. That's how dramatic I get, and, and I was just driving myself nuts, you know. And um, I have a brain that thinks too much. It just thinks too much. And, and I love to be in my brain because that's my little fantasy world. That if it would be just this way. <clears throat> so, recently I was asked, Dan, what are you under the influence of? Well, you know, Don, I don't do drugs and I don't drink. He says, yeah, but what are you under the influence of? Are you under the influence of people, places, and things? Are you under the influence of your own thoughts? You know, is that what dominates your life? See, it's our thinking that gets us into trouble. And 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 I couldn't understand that at first, and then I started thinking, like, yeah, it's true. We all live under the influence of something. Now, but we're under the influence of recovery. Then we're able to grab some tools that really helps us out. One of the craziest ones is one day at a time. How in the heck do you do one day at a time when I'm too busy thinking two weeks ahead, month ahead? You know, in fact, I want a 30 days notice whenever anything's going to come my way that's going to be bad, so I know. <clears throat> in fact, not only that, I want to worry ahead of time just in case something happens, you don't have to blame me for not worrying. 
That's how it works. One day at a time. I want to go on a food plan and lose all my weight tomorrow because I started it today. <laughs> and that's how it works. You know, and, and that's how my brain thinks. So when people tell you, look, Dan, one day at a time, I don't understand that. One day at a time. Sometimes it's one hour at a time. One minute at a time. It could be that intense. The other one is, this too shall pass. Now, I don't like that. Because, you know, this too shall... Are you nuts? So I call the sponsor. How are you doing? He says, I tell him I feel like really bad. He says, don't worry, this too shall pass. Following day, how are you doing? I feel great. Oh, don't worry, this too shall pass. <laughs> I just can't make you happy. Why is it... Well, that's what life is. It passes. You're supposed to feel bad, good. You want to see, you want to see if you really work on a program of recovery? Look how bad you feel. If you feel bad, you're doing it right because you're not medicating with food. You don't have to be a rocket scientist for that. You really want to feel better, better irritability, better depression, better anxiety? Stop eating. Compulsive overeating. And you're going to see all these things come up like crazy. You're going to run to your doctor for medication. But if you really understand and listen to our program, it's a spiritual program. It's a pure spiritual program. And you say, wow, wait a minute. So that means I've got to go into these things called steps? Yeah. Honey. You notice I'm not cussing your First step, we admit we were powerless over food. Now, I'd like, I'd like to grab the, the, the word powerless and replace it with delusional. I am delusional with food. I can naturally look at the evidence placed in front of me and pretend like, no, 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 it'll be different this time. <laughs> it will be different. I'll just drink a bigger Diet Coke this time. Drink a lot of water before I eat. I am delusional when it comes to food. I'm delusional over people, places, and things as well. That means that in spite of the evidence placed in front of me, I have a behavior that convinces me otherwise. I am the jaywalker. I run into traffic. I almost get hit by a car. I go to you, hey, listen, man, I got hit, almost got hit by a car. What happened? Well, I jaywalked. I said, well, don't do it, Dan. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I guess I won't do that anymore. No, no, don't do it. Use the crosswalk. Oh, thank you so much. And I walk away. And I get the impulse again. Let's jaywalk, Dan. Okay. And I jaywalk again. And I go to the person and say, listen, I got hit by a car this time. Well, what did you do? Well, I jaywalked. Are you crazy? Are you nuts? Are you stupid? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm nuts. I have an insanity. That our lives have become unmanageable. Now, I have a job. I have a bank account. I have a marriage. I have a family. I have a home. How is it unmanageable? How, is, how could that be in my... I'm successful. Why, how's that... Yeah. Well, the truth is, there's a lot of insanity in our dealings. Remember, we're addicts, or I'm an addict. And I'm very insane. I'm very dishonest. And I love to omit. Because it's better that way. Since you omit, you're not lying, really. <laughs> so, you omit. And I don't like to be honest. And I'd much rather tell you what you want to hear than to tell you exactly what I feel. Now... The part about being delusional is a hard one to swallow because you're either going to die from this disease or live in recovery. One or two. And if you leave these rooms, you're never going to come back any happier. 
you're going to come back worse miserable so whatever chases you away from these rooms your disease will bring you back sooner or later that's basically how it goes so who's the guy who's that woman whoever was there that was annoying you they'll bring you back <laughs> and it happens I, I did the same thing I always wanted to look at you and see what was wrong with you and I never wanted to see me what was wrong with me so when they say you had to change one thing down and one thing is everything so I didn't like that uh, I just thought I had a, 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 a weight problem that's what it is once the weight is gone everything will be right life will be okay it'll be fantastic I'll be happy well, the weight came off. Guess what? No. If you're here looking for someone who has success financially, employment-wise, I'm the wrong person. I'm the wrong person. But I have kept the weight off. That's the difference. At the beginning of this year, it's one of the most tremendous, most challenging, difficult years this year. My grandson developed brain cancer, eight years old. I'm getting ready to celebrate New Year's Eve and I get a text from my oldest son that Jacob's in the hospital brain surgery food tour I said this kid must be drunk I text him back down what's around are you crazy are you drunk or what no seriously okay my daughter and I were estranged a little bit so I was able to talk with her I said I'd love to come see you and Jake and sure enough they removed a lemon sized tumor from the back of his brain they found some growths in his pituitary gland as well. And so I saw this kid. His right side, he couldn't use it completely. He would actually crawl so he could get around. And he was, wasn't able to coordinate his eyes. So heartbreaking. I hadn't seen him like that. And then next thing you know, my first wife, his grandmother, winds up with ovarian cancer. Now, I don't hate this woman. She is the mother of my children. You know, she, I respect her tremendously. She put up a lot with this guy. You know, I really respect her, and, and I give her nothing but uh, all the kudos that she needs and all the blessings that's what I want for her. But she came out with ovarian cancer. So Jacob, my grandson, comes out of the hospital. Now his mom, my daughter, has ovarian cancer. Now, you got to understand, I'm an addict. And the first thing that come out of my word is, poor me. I am a victim. I'm a victim. If you had my problems, you would eat too. Now I found out that there is a big, big thing that I have in my head. It's called I love to be. I love to endure. To be entitled, to be rewarded. That goes beyond the food. That goes back when I was a kid. If you do your homework, do your chores, I'll let you watch TV, I'll let you play outside a little longer. So I'm always grown up thinking that anything I do, I'm going to get a reward for it. And is life like that? No. That's not realistic at all. It's not. So I feel I have a victim mentality. So OA doesn't work for me? Screw it. Never worked for me. I had one woman in, in our meetings up there. OA doesn't work. Well, how many meetings are you going to? One. <laughs> you ever try going more than one? Well, I don't have time. You don't have time. So you don't have time to overeat either? I love when they say that. I don't have time. Good. You ever get, don't have time to overeat? Don't have time to practice with disease? No, I can't do it today. I'm too tired. <laughs> Never. <laughs> um... Enduring to be entitled to be rewarded has been always been my biggest problem since I was a little boy. I did not know that. And I brought that into my adulthood. Now, how do I get out of that one? Well, 
step two. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Now, you've got to understand, I come from a very religious, doctrinal, very strict religious upbringing. And to go into that again, I do not want to go there. So, for a while, it was you guys. You guys were my higher power. And I'll tell you something. Every time you come to a meeting, step two comes alive. You're restored to sanity. You'll never leave feeling worse than what you got. You want, you can if you want to, but if you stick around, you will see that step two come alive. And you'll leave here and say, wow, why did you go to me? Well, I wanted to listen to Daniel. He's got so many problems. I feel better already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not the whole purpose, but yes, we're supposed to feel better because that's what it's all about. It's been said that we are all angels with one wing. (laughs) No, 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 that's true. Until we embrace one another is when we fly. Speaking of wings, so... I was the uh, literature person for the Happy Joys and Free Friday night meeting in uh, West and the over on Overland years ago, and I was in San Pedro at the time, and I, and I had to get something to eat, and uh, so I stopped at Popeye's Chicken. And I'm riding driving this old clunker, and I have two suitcases full of uh, literature, and it's late, so I'm driving from San Pedro to get over here to Overland, and, and I picked up this five-piece meal uh, of chicken, and I hit the freeway. And I'm going to eat. And, uh, and as I'm driving, I bite into this drumstick, and it was so hot. I almost burned my mouth. I said, oh, my God, I'll never finish it in time. And, you know, so, and I'm driving, and i, I got to finish this food before I get it. And I stuck the drumstick out the window. <laughs> and I cooled that chicken leg with air at 70 miles an hour. And I thought I was a genius. I thought, you're a genius. Daniel, you are amazing. That is just phenomenal. Yeah, you're right. I am great. And so, and i hustling it down. I said, well, this is going to work. And I reached for a, a wing. And I'm not stupid. So I stuck it out there. And the stupid thing slipped out of my fingers. And I wanted to slam on the brake and stop because my wing <laughs> my wing and I got to that meeting deprived I had bought a five piece that only had four and I sat through the whole meeting sulking <laughs> that I really had paid for five but I only got four and when my sponsor said well, what happened to the other one I dropped it on the freeway <laughs> <laughs> you what? I dropped it on the freeway. <laughs> Were you eating on the freeway? <laughs> no, I was in the car, and I held it out to cool it down. Oh, no. That's pretty good, he said. I never tried that. Normal people don't do that with food. <laughs> so I am abnormal when it comes to my association with food. I do crazy things, frozen foods, stale foods. Uh, I'll eat branches, twigs. <laughs> i become vegan. Just let me fill this stomach up so I can shut the voices down. This is my heroin. And you shoot up and you feel that relaxation. You go, ah, yeah, man. And I can do it through carrot sticks, salads. I used to love to go to salad bars because it was big old salads three times a day. I used to go to a restaurant that gave you the most. Those are the good restaurants. So, I am delusional. And I am insane. 
and I know that my association with alcohol or with, alcohol, with food is not normal. So why does my head keep telling me, you're okay now, you've been absent now, you deserve a little peace. You deserve that little thing you haven't tried for. Plus, it's her birthday. Are you going to say no? Here's something for the newcomers that are here. Check this out. If you stay a whole year, a whole year without eating, overeating, and you stick to your food plan, we're going to give you a freaking wax candle to blow out. Now, is that incentive or what? Yeah, man, I want that wax candle. Really? <laughs> a whole freaking year am I going to get a candle? Where's the rest of it? Right, exactly. There is no rest of it. Always feeling deprived. Always feeling deprived. I'm always the victim. They did this to me. They said this to me. They, I don't know who the heck they were, but they did that. I always blamed everyone. I never looked at me. And what it is, you have a man in front of you who's scared of death, scared of dying, and scared of living. I'm afraid of dying because it's going to hurt. So I want to live, but I'm afraid of living because I'm afraid I might die. Well, anyway, it goes back and forth. This is when I listen to the craziness in between the ears. But when I'm able to listen to that one day at a time, this too shall pass. Makes a lot of sense. If I just slow down, stop, say, wait a minute. Where does step two say that a power greater than myself can restore me to say, well, this is with you guys. See, I need to come here to be brainwashed. I can't do it out there because the default is in here. See, the insanity is in between the ears. And when I come here, a part of my brain gets washed. And I walk away feeling a little better. Step three. The decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Now, that's easier said than done. Because that means I have to be willing to let go and let somebody else drive and not be a co-pilot. And that's difficult. Especially when you're not numbing with food and you're not relying on food to make you feel better and you're not relying on food to make you feel better <laughs> and you're not relying on food to make you feel better. To trust that there's something that's going to be better for you. That's hard to do. So, I'm going to end the chart. Um, I do know one thing today is that I don't know. I don't know. I know I don't know. When I came into these rooms, I knew a lot, but didn't know I didn't know. And now I know. And the other thing, I've become teachable. I really am willing to listen. I'm really willing to say, you may be right. Let's try it. You'd be surprised. We have a very small fellowship of Warriors Anonymous in, in, in Santa Barbara, but it's a very close-knit fellowship. Enthusiastic newcomers, enthusiastic members. Yeah, we're not perfect. No, that's true. But we all we got, we're the angels with one wings. You know, we rely on each other. And when one of us falls or relapses, we get scared. Because I might be me next. See? And this is the thing about this disease that's cunning, baffling, and powerful. This disease will kill me. And my body tells me the truth. And I, my brain says, no, no, it's not true. So... If you stay here, your chances of recovering are a lot better than going out there dying alone. If you stay here, your chances of gaining a spiritual awakening is a lot better than getting it out there. If you stay here, you have an opportunity to get a life you never expected. 
Now, will your life get better if you get into No, not necessarily. You'll be able to live it on life's terms. You'll be able to live life on life's terms and knowing that if you trust, the outcome will be okay. That's hard to do. Yeah. But that's what I'm supposed to do today. So on that note, I want to thank you for inviting me to speak here. And if there's any questions, I'll gladly answer them. Thank you. Step nine. Okay, uh, thank you. My experience was step nine. Made it directed amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Just because I got off my high horse doesn't mean everybody got off their high horse. And I remember I had to go make amends to a friend. And uh, I had laughed at his belief system, and I was laughing, mocking him, and I found that he was on my list that came up. And I had to go, uh, step eight, I had to go talk to him. And I knocked on his porch and I said, uh, hey, Manny, I'm here to say I'm sorry for what I said to you. It was very wrong. I, was, I apologize deeply. I really, really feel bad. And he listened to me and says, are you done? I said, yeah. He says, I want you to get off my, my property and never come back. Mm-hmm. And I walked away with my tail in between my legs and I never went back. Now, there are people that I've hurt in my disease. Do you know how many times my family worried about me and my overweight? Do you know how many times they supervise my eating? How many times they say, well, you know, we thought you died. You stopped breathing during the night. So people get resentful about my, about, about my disease. So step nine, you know, I just do it. And if it doesn't work, well, I clean my side of the street. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. What is my absence? Three days, uh, three days. <laughs> three meals with life in between. And they're not huge meals. Just meals. That's basically it. Ah, that's a different story. Throughout the time, my spiritual practice has been different in the sense that it's changed. Uh, at one time, I had this God, higher power, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a cloud with uh, lightning bolts and a clipboard. You know, and, oh, there he did it again. He did, you know, and if something happened bad to me, well, God's punishing me for something. Yeah, zap. And I never could satisfy this guy. And all we could find out was my father. That's what it was. Uh, over the years of comic, you guys became a higher power. And over the years, and now I find that it's reality that's my higher power. I've always rebelled against reality. I don't like reality. But if I live in reality today, I have a really nice day. I really do. So... That's how that works for me. Once I lost the weight, have I ever restricted and gotten worse? Yeah. My lowest weight was 175. And it went from one extreme to another. And uh, that was too small. I mean, so right now around 200, 210. And that's pretty comfortable for me. And I think your body, you know, it takes a long time for your body and your brain to connect again. Because all the time, food has been the interpreter. So when your brain and your body have to connect, connect, it goes through a wide spectrum of feelings and emotions and the imbalances are all there. But sooner or later, the, the, the longer I stay away from food, uh, the connections of the brain and the body start taking place. And you start coming into normality. Now, does that mean there are days I wanna, that I want to uh, overeat? Yeah, sure. I'm a compulsive overeater. Come on. It's not going to go away. Do I have to live in it? No. No questions? Right, so I convinced you guys. All right, great. <laughs> Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you. Good night.